I want to uh, make note that in uh, at guest services, we had this uh, book uh, printed up, designed for our 30th anniversary, four years ago, but it's uh, a lot of the things are still, you know, the same today. And it's uh, the history of Wooden Valley Baptist Church in, in pictures, and it, it goes through the four stages of uh, holding fast to the cherished, hold fast against the currents, hold fast on course, and hold fast till it comes. And it, it's, a, it's a historical uh, documentation of the church in pictures. And so these will be available for anybody that would like to uh, purchase those uh, that are in the uh, uh, guest services. We'll, we'll sell them for, I don't know, I don't know what they were before. I think we sold them for about 20 bucks or something like that, $25. So we'll... Uh, uh, Blue, blue light special today, $15, okay, so <laughs> they're there for, for if you'd like to uh, do that. So those that are that are uh, operating the uh, uh, guest services, if you'd uh, uh, note that. <clears throat> we also have cake that's in the, in the vestibule. Uh, if you've uh, seen that on the way in, uh, there was kind of a mix-up, and our cake was not there, and so they had to kind of uh, get some cakes to uh, replace it, and one was... Uh, a black cake and one was a white cake or a chocolate cake and a vanilla cake, I guess. And uh, we're not racist here at all. So, <laughs> oh, brother. Anyway, we're gonna be we're not gonna be eating the cake after the morning service. So don't be licking it now or anything like that tonight after the evening service. We have some time cake, and then we'll have some cookies, we'll have coffee for those for fellowship. After the evening service, we'll have a little bit of time to do that. If you've seen the pictures along the, the hallways there, uh, it's uh, pictures of when we got started in certain years, we you know, uh, accumulated some pictures and put them on the wall there, and it's very interesting. Somebody came to me today and said, Pastor, you had hair, and it was dark, <laughs> and you were young. Yeah, right. No, I was born 60 years old. Right. Well, anyway, 61. Okay, 61 today. <clears throat> so, um, so uh, the pictures are all there. And uh, like I say, today we're, we're celebrating. We're looking at 34 years. That's a blessing. 34 years since the beginning of this church. And God has blessed all along the way. What I'm going to be speaking of this morning is uh, the question, are we on track after 34 years? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 5 will emphasize verse number 8, but 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse number 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Did I say that correctly? 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. Well, just read along with me silently while I read aloud and we'll uh, cover this through verse number 10. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, Paul tells the Thessalonian believers, but also our gospel came in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost so that ye were ensamples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, 
so that we need not to speak anything. Verse 9, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. We're emphasizing verse number 8. The Bible says, From you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. An exemplary church. A church that was praised, a church that was on track, that was doing what it was supposed to be doing, doing what it was uh, uh, designed for, intended for these things, and they were fulfilling that, pleasing the Lord in so many ways. And folks, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask the question, well, have we drifted? Are we on track after 34 years? Good question. Let's ponder that after we pray. Lord, thank you so much for this, your word. I pray that you bless as we look to it. I pray that you'd help us to uh, kind of get the big picture and see where we're at in the scope of things and where we need to go. Lord, I pray that you just continue to bless as you have. Your blessings have been so bountiful upon this work, upon these people. Lord, you've blessed with some wonderful believers that have joined hands and hearts to serve you and honor you in this place. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to uh, uh, look back over the blessings and be grateful for that, but also, Lord, to look forward to blessings to come. Lord, we ask that you just bless today, and we ask that you would be with each one of us as here. Lord, give us what we need as you only can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Almost a decade ago in the U.S. News and World Report, they had an article entitled, 10 Great Companies That Lost their edge. And this was interesting to read through this because what they did was they, they took actual companies that we know about and, and they chronicled the business lives of giants like Blockbuster, Dell, Eastman Kodak, Motorola, Sears, Sony, among others. And while some are still around, they don't own near the percentage of the market that they once enjoyed and some are not around at all anymore or just about. We can understand the obvious platforms that crumbled beneath some, like Blockbuster, for instance, in movie rentals. You know, you go out and rent a VHS or a DVD. Some of you don't even know what VHS is now. You know, it's just, it makes me sick. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, uh, and, and you know how that went. You know, now there's the streaming where you pay and there, there's a, uh, the, the digital media where, you know, nobody rents anything anymore. So you could see where, the, where that was going. Or, or a, a company like Kodak, who uh, they majored in cameras and film. I'm talking about film, film, you know, uh, photographic film and that kind of thing, which with, the, you know, the, the uh, digital world, uh, that, that's gone long ago. Their demise seemed to be inevitable if... They wouldn't change with the times, and some of those saw things coming, and some of those didn't. And so there were some great companies in the article, that's the whole point, that companies that lost their edge. Some just missed the cues, the directions of market or opportunities. Many times the, co the companies just lost their focus. This is what the 
the article said. They lost their focus. They started for a certain reason or, or a purpose, and then they somehow uh, deviated or, or got off track off, off of what they originally started with or for. What they were in existence, or what were they in existence for in the first place? It's sad when a great corporation or institution or school loses its way, forgets the purpose of their existence. This is interesting. I don't know if you have that uh, uh, deal there where you can bring that up on, about Harvard University. Today, you can easily find the current mission statement of the Harvard University, that noble institution, but you'd think that they're ashamed of their original mission statement because you can't find their original mission statement. You'd have to be a detective or uh, a, uh, an expert journalist to discover the original mission statement of Harvard. The original is unrecognizable to the modern purpose and direction that we see today. You'd have to dust off some ancient publications to discover the original purpose statement of 1636. Actually got started a little bit before then, but they put this in print in 1636. And let me, let me read to you uh, what was stated about this. When the Puritans came to start their own Christian colony, a city set on a hill, under quotes, one of the first things they did was establish a private Christian college for the purpose of training ministers and missionaries for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith in the new world. Believe it or not, that's what Harvard started as, a Christian university or a Christian college then. Uh, this is part of that original mission statement. If we can get that on, on the board there, it's... Uh, in 1636, this was it says this, I'll quote it. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. Can you believe that? This doesn't even, this is Harvard? Harvard University in its inception. Of the rules and precepts adopted in 1646, it was stated, and I'll quote, everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein, both in theoretical observations of language and logic and in practical and spiritual truths as his tutor shall require, according to his ability, seeing the entrance of, thy, of the word giveth light. It's a Bible verse, Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of the word giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. These are in the rules of, for the students of Harvard. Can you imagine that? Isn't that something? Yale University got started by about the 1700s on a similar uh, foot, it was founded actually to, to answer the changing position of Harvard because by then Harvard was kind of veering from its original uh, Christian mission. And so it was founded to, no kidding, Yale, uh, uh, Yale was founded to promote religion as a theological school. Students were required to, and I'll, I'll, I'm reading this, live religious godly and blameless lives according to the rules of God's word, diligently reading the Holy Scriptures, the fountain of light, 
and truth and constantly attend upon the duties of religion both in public and secret. Prayer was a requirement. Furthermore, every student was instructed to consider the main and end of his study to wit to know God in Jesus Christ and to lead a godly, sober life. Un unquote. That was Yale. <clears throat> I think we can <clears throat> easily see the drift from its original purpose. Folks, we, we can see this in, in uh, businesses, in nations, in corporations, in schools. Uh, it's bad when corporations or schools lose their way, but it's worse when a church loses its way because the consequences are even greater. The stakes are higher when we're talking about the difference in eternity between heaven and hell. The game includes the eternal condition of the individuals who are affected by them. So I'm concerned, and, and I'd like to know, and I'd you know, like to see in this particular p position of uh, celebrating an anniversary, it's kind of like a, a, a high point, uh, a lookout uh, tower where we can look back and see where we've come or where we've been. And so we've been in existence now for 34 years here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church. We're different than corporations or institutions or schools in that our mission statement hasn't changed. And it, it can't change because it actually comes right from the Bible, from God's Word. Our commander is still the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our founder. He established his work and he he promised its life throughout until his return. His word remains absolutely true and is still as indestructible as the day he uttered his promise and challenge. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, actually all four Gospels deal with the Great Commission in a, in a way. In Matthew chapter 24, we call this the Great Commission, the, com the commission of the church. What, is, what are we to be about? Matthew 24, 35 Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. His mission statement for the church, he began, has not changed one iota. I'm sorry, this is the, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so since that is our mission statement, and that can't change, that is what we're supposed to be about. I mean, we could have, we can kind of, uh, you know, compile it, and we've tried to do that, compile it in one sentence or whatever to say what we're all about here. Um, but that is, it, it, it doesn't change because it's scripture. It's, it's what the commander has ordered for us. Mankind, the, the target of the gospel, has not changed either. Men are in need of salvation today just as much as ever, and it's kind of obvious even more. Regardless of whether music or entertainment platforms change, creature comforts abound, nations rise or fall, people still need the Lord. And people need the Lord today just as much as ever. And so it's easy for us to check to see whether or not we're still on target, still spiritually relevant still connected to the divine will and still favored by God. And like I say, it's easy to, to check that because of the, the document that we have before us in our Bible. In our text, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
Paul gave the First Baptist Church of Thessalonica high marks for their service and their walk with the Lord. I don't know that it was called First Baptist of Thessalonica. It probably wasn't called Wooden Valley Baptist Church of Thessalonica because uh, there wasn't a Woodenville there. But anyway, it was Thessalonica. Um, but Paul, when, when he's talking about this church, he praised it. And, and like I say, he gave it high marks. It, it all had to do with their relationship to the Word of God. Everything that, that they were good at or they were on target for, it had to do with how they viewed it, how they accepted it, how they, they, their relationship to the Bible. We can learn from them as to our staying on course, the course that we're set upon, and that is, what, what is our relationship? So the Thessalonians' relationship to the Bible gave them high marks. There's three things that they, their relationship to the Word of God. Let's take a look at it very simply and see what they did, and then see where we stand on that also. How do we do the same thing? Number one, they received the Word. The Word of God that was preached, they received it. They accepted it. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6, we read that. And ye became followers, Paul says, ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. They, they received the word in persecution. Those that actually got saved at that time, that day, they were persecuted severely. And, and that was just kind of like the beginning of it. And in the century to come, it would even be worse for the, for the Christian church, for Jesus' church that he started. But it says here they received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Every person has the choice to receive the word of God, to accept the scriptures as God's word or they'll accept it as the word of men. They'll look at it as flawed, or they'll look at it as divine. These people, they received the Bible as the word of God. We'll, we'll deal with that in a little bit, but I want to note this, that they received it in much affliction. It cost them. It cost them for sure. Today, it costs one to accept the Bible, still. If you're going to accept the Bible as God's word, if you're going to look at the word of God as what it is, then you're going to be looked upon as unintelligent or ancient or Neanderthal. You're going to be looked at as out of date. But it costs, folks, I'm telling you the truth today, it certainly costs one to accept the word of God as God's word, as the Bible, um, as it is. It costs one to stand with Jesus. It costs every person that receives the word today to be counted with heaven's citizens. Believing the Bible places us in the crosshairs of a satanically fueled world system. You see this in Luke chapter 6, verse number 22. This is what Jesus said. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and you shall be and shall reproach you and cast you out your name as evil shall separate you from their company shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake verse 23 rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold your reward is great in heaven for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets so Jesus warned us there. He says, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen when you're walking with me. You're going to be rejected like I was. In John chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus says very clearly here, if the world hate you, 
you know that it hated me before it hated you. Don't be surprised. Because he's, he's warning us ahead of time. He's kind of uh, 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 laying out the, the, uh, the uh, landscape. He says, listen, the world hated me. They're going to hate you. If you're a follower of mine, if you receive my words, if you believe in me, know that the world hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, <clears throat> they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Let me ask you something. Has anything changed? Has, has anything changed at all, uh, you know, as far as the reception of the world with the word of God and people and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ? No, it's, it's the same thing, folks. It's the very same thing. We live in that world where... If they hated Christ, they're going to hate us. They persecute him, they're going to persecute us. That's what it means to count the cost. To understand what this is going to do. If you become a believer, if you receive the word of God, if you receive God's truth, mark it down, this is what will happen. And Jesus is laying it out very clearly, saying, listen, you better batten down the hatches. You better be ready for rejection from the world because that's how it is, that's how it's been, and that's how it's going to continue to be. And folks, it's your choice. It's nobody else's choice. When it, see, the, these, the Thessalonians, they received the word of God. Every one of us must do the same thing, must receive the word for us, for me, for me myself. Nobody else makes that decision for you, but you. Before you receive, you don't possess. Before you receive what God has and receive that salvation, you're not one of his. But once you receive the word of God, then you have it. And as the Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. These believers, number one, they received the word. And that was kind of coming into the fold coming into belief. And so the, the Thessalonians received the word. Well, let me ask you something. How do we receive the word? How do I receive the word of God? Do I accept it? Do I, do I believe it? Do I just uh, take it for the truth that it is? Do I understand that the God of the universe, who is all-powerful, has power to keep his word pure as he's promised? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall pass away. The scripture cannot be broken. That's what Jesus said. And, you know, nowadays there's going to be people say, well, well, you know, this has been tainted by man and uh, history and, and all of this stuff. And so here we go. We, you know, you've got to kind of see what is myth and see what is true. And, and you kind of, you know, discern. No, that's not, that's not the word of God. The word of God is, is forever. The word of God is, is uh, uh, indestructible. Do you receive that word? Well, it's, it's everybody has the, uh, the, the opportunity, the choice to receive that word, and you do it for yourself. You can't do it for anybody else. Nobody else can do it for you. How am I doing about receiving the word of God? Okay, number two, the Thessalonians revealed the word. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 7 in our text, he says, So that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out. 
the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Acadia, but also in every place. Your faith in God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. He says, now, my job as a missionary, Paul says, is to go to this town and that town and your area and, and to preach the gospel. I'll get there and I'll find out, oh, they have already heard. You know why? Because the Thessalonian church. Because when they received the word of God, they revealed it. They spread it. They preached it. They did what they were supposed to do. They sounded out the word, the word of the Lord. And folks, that is what a church is supposed to do. That's what a believer is supposed to do. Sound out the word of the Lord. Publish the word of the Lord. Uh, they were ex exemplary believers because of their success in getting the Bible out to the world. Paul com complimented other believers for the same as he did for the Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse number 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. <clears throat> you remember, he was the one that uh, was in prison. It was, a, it was a house arrest, if you will. They had somebody uh, from uh, the royal guard that had to watch him in shifts. And, and Paul was... I mean, he was there, and he was detained, and so he witnessed. What do you think Paul did? He witnessed everybody, that, and he was saying, thank you, God. I get a, I get a new uh, uh, subject every six hours or eight hours or ten hours or every day. I'll get a new subject, and somebody's going to be here watching me, and a new soldier. And these were from pagan Rome. And then he witnessed to those, and then they get saved. And then in his letters, he says, and uh, salute those who are in Caesar's household. <laughs> How did they get in Caesar's household? Well, yeah, because Paul was a witness. What he did was he spread the word. And you know what? They did the same thing. And that's what he said. Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Hey, that's, that makes a great church. A church that reveals <coughs> the word, preaches the word, publishes the word. <coughs> See, publishing the word is paramount in our purpose as a church. We must <clears throat> preach the word. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. That's our job. That's our mission. That's our mandate. We're to preach the word. That's, what the, the, that's the way that God designed humans to come to be saved. Through preaching. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So he's getting to the point of how does this thing get transmitted? How does this thing spread? By the preacher, through the preacher, or through one who will preach. Not so much the person with the, with the office of being a preacher, but all of us as preachers, all of us as publishers. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse number 17, he says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How does the word of God get out? Through preaching, through publishing. That's what we're supposed to do. Our mission statement is stated and restated in every gospel. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it's stated this way. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 28, verse number 19. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We read that, teaching them to observe all things. 
The importance of evangelizing is emphasized in Jesus' story in Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now it's a story about uh, a man that was uh, filling a banquet hall, but really it was a story about God wanting to fill heaven, wanting to fill uh, uh, his house with believers, with those who would come to receive his salvation. And so that, uh, that uh, um, uh, instruction is to us, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. That's what God says to us today. This is populating heaven by publishing the invitation. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. He says, hey, you are a witness. I'm calling you a witness. What you've seen, what God has done for you, you're to spread that. You're to preach it among all nations. John chapter 20, verse 21. <clears throat> then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You are the emissary, you are the ambassador, you are the preacher, just as Jesus came here to give us the good news, it's our job to preach that to others. And so that he sends us. Jesus rebukes the dull disciples for not sharing the urgency for the harvest in John chapter 4. He says here, say ye not, <coughs> there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields for they're white already to harvest. He's talking to the disciples as they understood what harvest meant. And there might have been, he might have been in the, in the midst of barley or wheat or something where there's uh, the, the white tops of the harvest uh, blowing in the wind. And he says, hey, listen, you know, we, we understand this thing where when the harvest comes, you got to get out there and you got to save the, the, the harvest. <coughs> Pay attention. Look on the fields. Look around. But there was not only those fields of wheat blowing in the wind. In context, he was talking about the Samaritans that were coming out of the city from the woman at the well who went and got her friends and got everybody. And all the men of the city came out. And you could see these men coming. And he says, look on the fields. They're white, all ready to harvest. And that's something that is very concerning <coughs> to our God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, is to, to uh, get the message out to the fields. <coughs> Revelation chapter 22, verse number 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth <coughs> say, come. And let him that is the thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Good part to take a drink there. Hang on. I've got this little thing going on in my throat, trying to avoid a cold, and I think I'm doing pretty good so far, but uh, pray for me. <clears throat> it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth. I hear the Lord. You hear the Lord, don't you? When he speaks to you, hey, it's our job to say, come. To invite the world. Come. The spirit, of course, is talking about the spirit of God, and the spirit of God woos people. He draws people to Christ. We know that. But the bride, who is the bride? That's the bride of Christ. Hey, folks, we're talking about his church. <coughs> the church is supposed to say, come, invite the world. That's what we're doing. That's what we should be doing. 
to reveal the word of God. So, the Thessalonians were good. From, from them sounded out the word of the Lord so that they uh, need not to uh, say anything because in every place their faith in God was spread abroad. Man, they were great in revealing the word. The question is, how are we doing with that? Wouldn't Valley Baptist Church, do we reveal the word of God? Are we getting it out? Are we inviting folks properly? Now, this, the Thessalonian believers, you remember we said there's three things that they were doing that were exemplary, that were, that were great. They received the word. Number two, they revealed the word. But then I want to look at this, and that, and that is their attitude towards the word of God. They revered the word. Look at verse number 9 of our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, it was this manner. It was the attitude. It was in the way of how that they saw the scriptures that made the difference. It was, it was you know, their respect to the word of God. You find this in the next chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This shows how they revered, how they treated, how they honored, how they valued the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, Paul says, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you that believe. It's not just a, a book. It's not just a textbook. It's not just a Wooden Valley Baptist uh, uh, doctrine book. It's, it's not just some good sayings or some, some neat things that we've put together or whatever. No, no, no. It's not the word of men. It's in truth the word of God. This is God's word, God's mind, God's uh, thoughts. We have God's word right here. And that's how that they received it. Not as the word of men. It was, it was they revered the word of God. For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. They, they saw the word of God for what it was. And because of that, they were exemplary. They, they were a great church. They were a church that God was, was boasting of here in Thessalonians. Their attitude towards the Bible was healthy, it was respectful, reverent. They, they held the word of God in high esteem. <clears throat> Men can't hardly uh, multitask like women. I've, I've learned that. I, I've learned that. I've, um, since I've been, and I try. I try to do many things at the same time. I can't hardly walk and chew gum. It doesn't work for me, a trip. But uh, um, when I try to do two things at once, I, I don't get two things done. Um, I'm a political junkie, and I like to, you know, in my ear I'll have a podcast, and I'll listen through some. But then if I'm listening, I'm not doing anything else, you know. And, and I'm trying to do two things at the same time, you know, write a letter or email, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, writing something, and I, I mess it up because I'm listening to something else. So, you know, I have, to, I have to put one thing away to do the other. And I've tried, um, being married to Diana has been wonderful. I've, I've loved that. I, I have absolutely loved, uh, just like what Brother Rob 
gave the testimony about, you know, how the Lord, you know, brought uh, a wife after uh, uh, the, the uh, passing of your previous wife. And so I, I just love Diana, and I love, and, and I've always tried to, to respect her where she would come and speak to me. And she'll, out of it, nowhere, out of nowhere, she'll come and just, in the middle of a conversation, the way she's thinking, she's just in, into it, and I'm supposed to know exactly what she's talking about, who she's referring to, what's going on, and I'm sitting there, what are you talking about? I have to stop, and you know, I used to, you know, if I was on the computer or something, writing or emailing or whatever, I'm, I'm on the computer or studying, and she'll come, and she'll sit down next to me, and she'll start talking, and this could go on for 30 minutes until she realizes nothing happened these last 30 minutes, you know, because I didn't, I didn't put my mind on that. I have learned. I have learned to stop what I'm doing, shut it down or whatever, leave it, turn, and face her and give her my total attention. That's, that's, how, that's what I've learned. Well, now, in, uh, in just the other day, I'm, I'm one that does this when I am thinking of something else or I'm, I'm anxious or I'm uh, occupied, my mind is occupied. I'm doing exactly what you're doing right there. I'm going like this. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I do, especially, especially, especially if I'm in the middle of something and I put it on pause, Okay. And, and I'm, I'm doing this because I've got something i got to get to. You know, okay, get it done, get it done. Come on, let's get this thing over with. <laughs> That's me. And my, <laughs> my daughter, Becky, your wife, when we have these, these seats here, these chairs, and that's fine. We used to have pews in the storefront. And when she would be on one end of the pew and she'd be doing this thing the whole time, my, my seat's going like this. And, Becky, quit! You know? Because that's, you know, do you do that? Do you, anybody like that? Where, you know, you got this, you know, yeah, right, everybody's pointing to their spouse. Well, that's me. That's me. I, w- I would do that, especially if I'm, you know, anxious. I'm thinking about something else or I'm, you know, I got my mind, you know, engaged somewhere else. So <clears throat> the other day my wife came and she says, she started talking to me, you know, like she does. I stopped. I learned. Good husband. I learned. I, I, I stopped dealing with computer. I turned to her, and I faced her fully, totally, and I'm doing this. <laughs> you know what she did? She goes, stop! <laughs> which, which helped me. It really did. It helped me to, underst- to, to catch myself because my focus wasn't total. You understand what I'm saying? I had, to, because, because I was, I was thinking, and she, she got me, you know, she, she, she got it. She, she knows what I think. I don't think that's, that's uh, only God knows what I think, but she, she knows what I think too. Anyway, and so after, you know, I said, okay, I'm totally yours. Go ahead, give, give me what you got. And I'm doing this, and she goes, stop. And I realized, thanks, hon. I, I really, what, I, actually, I didn't give you my whole focus because, I was I wasn't when one engaged. So then I stopped, and then my heart was doing this. <laughs> it actually it actually helped me. I, I remember at that point it helped me to realize, yeah, I'm not giving my my total here. I've got to, I've got to put it 
I've got to put my focus where it needs to be. Remember those 10 companies that, you know, went off, they lost their edge or whatever? One of the things that the, that the, the article said was there were companies that lost their focus. Um, in the, sometimes I'll see that in service where the Spirit of God is speaking to people and, and the Lord's trying to get across something to people whether believers or non-believers, many times I'll, I'll see somebody that I'm praying for. I'm asking God to, to touch their heart. And, and I'll, I'll see the same thing, you know, where, you know, the, either this or telltale signs or, you know, looking at something else or, you know, uh, fidgeting or not allowing your total focus to be given to God and his word. How many, t- how many times have I done that <coughs> where it's, it's time to read my Bible. I'm going through Bible reading programs where in the, uh, in the year I'll read my entire Bible all the way through. And, and so I got to do this. And so it's time to do this. So, I, you know, sit down, got to do it. And I'm just reading. Did you ever read through a page or so and not even know what it says? Because you're thinking about the next steps of what you need to be doing and what's going on tomorrow or what's, you know, whatever. But you got to get through this because this is something, it's a check that you got to give. Folks, that's not revering the word. That's not, that's not giving our focus to the word of God fully like we need to. You know, if, if you come to church and, and you know what, you, you, know what's, you know what's so discouraging, so discouraging is when I ask a loved one or my wife or something else uh, where, you know, hey, what did you think about the service or the message or whatever? And... Sometimes I'll get well. Actually, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think of that. I, I, I wouldn't. And what they're saying, I'm, I, I wouldn't engage. I've been there before. I've been there. Be- I, I confess, I've been there before because I'll sometimes go to church and be thinking my focus is not where it ought to be. My my attitude towards the Word of God, as it is in in truth, the Word of God, not the Word of men. And my focus is not like that, and it's not where it should be. It's not good, folks. We need to, we need to, like the Thessalonians, their attitude towards the Bible was healthy. They valued the word of God. They were even said to glorify the word. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. Paul said to the Thessalonians, you, you know, when we think of glorify, you know, it's, it's something that's almost like worship. You know, it's honoring, it's, it's, it's showcasing, it's focusing, it's giving your entire attention to. I mean, putting the spotlights on it, and that's what he says. You know what you guys do? You glorify the word. You look at the word of God as it should be. Folks, that's a great church. That is a great church. A church that takes the word of God and showcases it, honors it reveres it, gives full, total attention to it. See, if we truly see it as the instruction our Creator grants for us for our daily bread, for our guidance, for our sustenance, this is what we need spiritually to have strength, to build faith, to guide me through the day, uh, the, the Word of God which, which gives light, 
then we'd value our time in it. We'd study it more. We'd love it more. We'd share it more. We'd listen to it more. We'd put our whole focus on it. Psalm 119, 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. I love thy commandments. I, lo I, lo I love the Bible. <clears throat> I remember when my... My kids were little. My wife would take the Word of God and trying to teach them about the Bible and you know little songs and little things and get the, the, help them to learn Bible verses. You know the very first Bible verse any of my children ever uh, memorized: "Children, obey your parents." Yeah, great verse for a parent to teach their kid. But you know what? After she would get through that, and she's and she'd say. Oh, man, we love the Bible. We hug the Bible. We kiss the Bible. Oh, we love the Bible. And I used to think that was kind of silly. No, no, that's great, folks. That's great. You know what we need to do? Like the psalmist says, I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, then fine gold. I love the Word of God. I mean, I love the Word of God, and I do, folks. Verse 167 of Psalm 119, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them, I love them exceedingly. Folks, that's what we need to do to the Word of God. Three simple things that the Thessalonians did. They received the Word. They revealed the Word. They, they spread it out to everybody. They published it properly. And, and they revered the word. They, they honored it. They loved it. They, f they gave their total focus upon the word of God. So the question is, we're on track if we do those. How are we doing? Do we receive and reveal and revere the word like we should? Well, I pray that we do. I pray that I do. I need that. You know, we didn't talk much about salvation. But I'll tell you something, friend. You can learn all about the Word of God that, that you want, and it's not going to do you any good. What you need to do is you need to have an experience. You need to receive the truth of the Word of God by understanding that you're a sinner, <clears throat> that God loves you. He died. We sang about that. He gave His blood so that you could be saved. He gave His all. That's how much He loves you. You need to receive that. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. You can be saved today. Believer, we've got a job to do. How are we doing? Are we on track? Are we on track? Lord, I pray that you'd help us. That